Hello Life Changes Church, welcome to our YouTube channel. We have got an amazing word prepared for you, so why don't you take out your notebook and your pen as we get ready to listen to what God has for us. But lovely to be together this morning. My name is Scott. Yeah, my wife and I serve at Century City. In our defense, Century City was much closer to us when we joined them, and then we happened to move close to Table View. But really, it's, it's great to share together in Christ's body, whatever that looks like and however that looks. To be able to build God's kingdom together is an incredible privilege. Um, so I'm going to be sharing God's word with you tonight or this morning. Sure, I'm already one step ahead this morning. But a question to get us going, a question to get, get started. How many of you are either afraid of the dark now as you stand or remember as a child being afraid of the dark? Are there some hands there? It's lots, lots of us. The darkness and being in dark can be a very uncomfortable space. Um, it can be quite a, a scary place. I remember going to the Kango Caves as a lighty, um, going down into those caves, and at one stage they ask you to switch your, your flashlights, as the Americans say, or, or torch off, um, switch them off, and it's just, it's pitch black. It doesn't matter if you put your hand up in front of your face. It doesn't matter if your eyes are closed or open. It is complete complete darkness. It's so dark you can, you can almost taste the darkness. It's, it's ten, the darkness is tangible. Um, I remember also a few years back I found out I had a, a certain condition with my eyes and I needed to go in for eye surgery. Um, so I went in and they did this surgery and I basically had two patches on my eyes for, for a number of months. I was like a badass pirate, you know, with, with two double, the, the double. Um, and I, I had that over my eyes and basically lived as though I was blind for a couple of months. I was completely dependent on other people, um, needed to bring in my food, basically had to take me to the bathroom, make sure I was staying the right way and then let me do my thing. No, no, I'm joking. I just went in the garden. It was much, much easier. Um, but uh, living as a blind person in that moment, was, it was quite unnerving. And after a while, I knew I was on the road to recovery, so after a while, I regained my sight. But if I'm honest this morning, there probably are times in my life where I have felt as though I'm in darkness, even though maybe not physically being unable to see, just feeling like I'm in a dark, really dark place. Uh, my wife and I, um, we, we went through quite a road to get married, but we actually broke, we broke up um, and spent four years apart while we were dating. And I remember that time we broke up. It was a, a very dark time. It was a time of trying to look for answers, just trying to flick that light switch on and being unable to do that. Um, also, just at times when I needed to manage emotions and just feeling like, ah, yo, I haven't got this. There's a darkness that I can't seem to shake. Or times where somebody close to me has passed away too. And just that feeling of, oh, it's dark, man. It's, I'm, I'm going through something dark right now. And wh wherever you are in your walk with the Lord or where you find yourself, maybe you find yourself battling that too on some level. So there's a, there's a darkness I can't shake or there's something that I can't shake. And you've come to the right place. I preach this morning to all of us, actually, to say, let's look for the light together. Let's look for that light switch. So I'm going to be preaching out of John 9. It's a, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful and a tragic story, actually. And we're going to work through that. There are three bar stools on the stage this morning, three props, as um, Quentin said. And I'm going to work through those three scenes together this morning to say, what can we learn from this story of the man born blind that gets healed? What, what can we learn about that? So there's going to be some preaching, some storytelling, maybe even a bit of theater. Who, who knows? We'll see, we'll see how we go. But very excited to be sharing God's word with you. So let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, 
we come to you this morning and we lift our eyes to you. Would you reveal your son to us, holy Jesus? Would you reveal to us who you are this morning? In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. So let's jump in. It's going to be on the screen behind you so you can follow me there or turn to John 9 in, um, in your Bibles. Scene 1. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me, working while the sun shines. When night falls, the work day is over. For as long as I'm in the world, there is plenty of light. I am the world's light. He said this and then spat in the dust, made a clay paste with saliva, rubbed the paste on the blind man's eyes and said, go wash at the pool of Siloam, Siloam which means scent. The man went and washed and saw. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful real life event that took place of this man born blind from birth getting healed. He wouldn't have had had many options in those days. He basically would have been begging. And the story goes that Jesus saw him and healed him. But before he gets that healing, the disciples, they ask this question, a very real and valid question. They ask the question of why? Why is this person blind? Is it something that he did? Or is it something that his parents did? Why is he blind? And that question of why is actually quite a real and very real question for all of us in terms of why. Why am I here in this situation? Why am I going through this? Why am I struggling with this? Why is my family member sick? Why, 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 why? And it's, it's a very real and honest question, and we don't often get answers for it. I think in our minds, we're trying to rationalize things a bit. We're trying to almost develop a bit of cause and effect to say, if I can understand why this happened, then I can, I can start playing with the cause. You know, if I know why I ended up where I am, then I can start making changes. I can start maybe even pointing a finger to say, you are the reason that I am where I am. Or we can add blame. I don't know from you um, who did high school recently in Newton's third law, any, any takers? Newton's third law, there we go. There we go. Well done. I'll trust the reeds to know that. For, for every action, there, not, not all of you, not all of you, Dave. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Exactly right. And we can think a bit like our lives like that, you know. As we throw a ball against the wall and it comes back, there needs to be a, for every action, there needs to be an equal and opposite reaction. And I think that's what the disciples were asking. Why? There must have been a reason for this. And Jesus, in his wisdom turns it on its head. He doesn't say, he says to them basically, you're asking the wrong question. You shouldn't be asking why the, the man was born blind. You should rather ask, how can this be used for God's glory? Oh, it's tough. It's fine when you read in the text. It's not so fine when, when somebody in your, somebody's been hurt by crime or somebody has gone through something terrible or somebody is sick. You want to know why, but if you could rather ask that question of how can this thing, this darkness, be rather used for God's glory? Oh, it's not, a, it's not an easy one because you know what it does? 
is it takes away the ammo. It takes away the finger pointing. It takes away us looking for an explanation and rather turning our attention to God in that moment. I remember when my grandmother was sick um, a while ago and we got that phone call to say it's, it's time to come say goodbye. So we went to, it was in a frail care unit, went there and we all went into the room and said our goodbyes and in that moment she died. Life left her body and she died. And I just, I remember so clearly being in and around that room and just that feeling, that real feeling of darkness, darkness in that, in that place. Darkness, real darkness. And yet, Somebody in that moment prayed a very simple prayer, just that God, would her life be glorified? Would her life be remembered? Would her life be used for your glory? And it was almost like, it was almost like tangibly somebody switched that light switch on. And this is what the story tells us. In scene one, it goes about, and Jesus lands this first scene, John 9, verse 5. He says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus heals the blind man and makes the statement that I am the light of the world. Scene one, Jesus is the light of the world. And now things get, things get festive. <laughs> Scene two, soon the town was buzzing. His relatives and those who year after year had seen him as a blind man begging were saying, why isn't this the man that we knew? who sat here and begged, others said, it's him all right, but others objected, it's not the same man at all, it just looks like him. Then he said, it's me, the very one. They said, how did your eyes get opened? A man named Jesus made, made paste and rubbed it on my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. And I did what he said. When I washed, I saw. So where is he? I don't know. Then they marched that man to the Pharisees. This day when Jesus made the paste and healed his blindness was the Sabbath. The Pharisees grilled him again on how he had come to see. He said, he put clay paste on my eyes and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, obviously this man can't be from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. Others counted, how can a bad man do miraculous God revealing things like this? There was a split in their ranks. Then they came back to the blind man. You're the expert. He opened your eyes. How, what do you say about him? And the man said, he is a prophet. Again, I'm going to skip through this next section. They, they're calling his parents, basically question his parents, trying to find out, was this your son? Was he born blind? Um, and they call that man back again, the man who had been born blind, and told him, give credit to God. We know this man, being Jesus, is an imposter. And this, he replied, I know nothing about, about that one way or the other, but I know one thing for sure. I was blind and now I see. The Pharisees don't accept it. Basically, this, this bitter um, argument starts between the, the man who was previously blind and the Pharisees. They start arguing, and this is where scene two ends. The Pharisees saying to the blind man, you're nothing but dirt. Nothing but dirt. Ironic that it was the dirt that was used to heal the blind man's eyes. The Pharisees calling that man dirt. You're nothing but dirt. How dare you take that tone with us? Then they threw him out in the street. Basically excommunicated him from, from the community. Sure, that, um, that escalated quite quickly. From a, from a scene of healing to a town going bonkers. This is, this is the story of the man born blind. Um, I was when I was back in high school, I had a number of nicknames. 
Um, Scooter was one. Um, Tribrow was another. Some people are called Unibrow. I was called Tribrow because I've, I've got a, a scar on one of my eyebrows. So they'd call me Tribe anyway. But, but one of the nicknames that I also had was, was Trip Switch Ferreira. True story. So, so they would, everybody knew that, that there was a line that they shouldn't cross with me. You know, you know those people, you stoke them a bit, stoke them a bit, stoke them a bit, and then it's like a trip switch goes off. And it's just things. So, so my friends, would, they would know that about me. They would, they would go there, stoke me, stoke me, stoke me, stoke me, stoke me. I'd be, I'd be calm, be fine. And then all of a sudden, I would absolutely lose it and basically run around the playground swinging fists and throwing broomsticks and whatever it is. So I was trip switch for error. But the Pharisees, this is a moment where they actually, they trip. They, they, are, they are fuming mad at what Jesus has done. They, are, they excommunicate this man, and they're basically on the hunt for Jesus. This is a few months before he gets sacrificed. They are out for blood. And I think we just need to also understand, how did we get there? How did we get to the point where things have escalated to this level? And it's actually quite an incredible story. At the time when this healing took place, it was a beautiful festival in the, in the city of Jerusalem. So basically, the city of Jerusalem, which was the capital, would have the temple on top of the, the city. And in this, in this festival, they would have a light ceremony. It was at the autumn equinox. So equinox is when the night and the day are exactly the same length. And it was at this time that they would have a light ceremony. They would get up on top of this temple, and on top of the temple was a court, and they would have these massive bowls of oil, like I'm talking proper big, they would, they would use the priest's garment as the wick, so basically a, a man-sized onesie, they would, they would drop that in and then, and then light that, and it was four of, these, four of these big stands, and each of these stands had four bowls in, so Quentin, how, how many is that? Yeah, I didn't think you'd know, so it's 16, um, he's not so strong with mess, old Quentin, but it's, um, so six. 16 of these lights would get lit up on top of the hill, on top of the temple, and it would light up the whole city of Jerusalem. There was only natural light in those days, actually very, very similar to the situation we're in now. Got to, got to make do with what you've got. Um, and people would run around with torches and celebrate, celebrate the change of seasons, celebrate the life, which was hosted by the temple, hosted by the Pharisees, this festival of light. And Jesus comes in. Jesus walks in there. You've got to love it, huh? Walks in there, goes up the stairs, stands on, this is John 8, stands on top of that temple court, stands in there, and he says these words, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not be in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. You can just imagine, thinking back to my high school days, when, you know when there's a fight brewing, and I mean, if any of you have been to all boys schools, you know that's like, it's a daily occurrence, somebody's going to box. But it's kind of, it's like these two guys are busy arguing, and then the instigator says something, it's normally about somebody else's mother, and it's just like, if the, the crowd goes, ooh, you, you know, these things are, things are going down, these guys are going to, they're going to go at it. It would have been that moment that Jesus says this, I am the light of the world, at this light ceremony. And we just know things are going to escalate. And just after that, he walks out of the temple, walks out of Jerusalem, and sees the blind man and heals him. And the, the beautiful narrative of this that John paints so clearly and so beautifully is, is these two groups of people within the passage. The first, the first group being the blind man who is physically blind. 
He's in darkness, and he sees the light of Jesus. That's one group. And the other group here, a group of the spiritual elite who are in darkness and remain in their darkness. And that's the reality of the sermon this morning, is that you, you either in your darkness and you, you choose to stay there, or you're in your darkness and you choose to see the light of Christ. There's no, there's no middle ground here, unfortunately. You either on this side or on that side. And the Pharisees, in all of their wisdom, they couldn't get it. They couldn't accept the miracle for what it was. They couldn't see Jesus. And I think there was some thinking or something that they couldn't, they couldn't reconcile in their minds. And just to, to put, take a stab at it, I think one of them was that they, the Pharisees believed that enlightenment came from following the rules. If we follow the rules, we will be saved. If we follow the rules in a set way, in a set structure, as the Torah, the Old Testament has said, we will be saved. Jesus healed the blind man on the Sabbath. I mean, the Pharisees have a major wobble about this. I mean, they, they're basically saying the fact that Jesus went onto the ground and mixed dirt, I mean, that, I can't even imagine how much dirt that was. The fact that he mixed the dirt and put it on the blind, blind man's eyes, that was work. It was considered work. It's a bit lame that that's actually work, but that was their definition of, of work. If you just, you just worked in any form of soil, that was their definition. The fact that he did a healing on that Sabbath day meant that it was completely disqualified. And I think for us here too, we need to be cautious of, of the thinking that if I just follow the rules, then you can fill in your blanks on that. If, if, I can just, if I can just go to church more, if I can just do that, do that, then this healing will come or that person will come to Christ. Or, uh, there are a million scenarios that we all come with this morning. But by following the rules, it doesn't lead us to Jesus. It is through the confession of our sins that we get to see Jesus. And as Quentin said, through Jesus the Father. And I think, too, the Pharisees, they would have been stuck in that enlightenment for them came from understanding. If they could just understand this, then they could validate it. And if we actually look at that passage, everybody, almost everybody in this story is looking for understanding. The disciples are saying, why? Just give us a reason that we can have, if we can understand this, we can do something about it. The crowd, they basically, they, they can't understand this, so they send the blind man to the, the spiritual elite, say, you guys figure this out because we need to understand what's happened here. The Pharisees too, they question the blind man, they question his parents, they question the crowd, they question everybody they know because they need to understand before the healing comes, before the healing is validated. And I want, it's a hard one because it means in our own lives we have to put, we have to put something down actually to put down that if we don't, it's okay if we don't understand, but rather, how can God be glorified through this? So scene two is really dealing with the Pharisees, those that come in darkness and those that remain there. And then we move on to scene three. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and went and found him. He asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man said, point him out to me, sir, so that I can believe in him. Jesus said, you're looking at him. Don't you recognize my voice? Master, I believe. 
the man said, and worshipped him. Jesus then said, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all the distinctions clear so that those who have never seen will see and those who have made great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. Some of the Pharisees overheard him saying, does that mean you're calling us blind? Jesus said, if you were really blind, you would be blameless. But since you claim to see everything so well, you're accountable for every fault and failure. Boom. <laughs> How's that? Cool, we're done. I'll <laughs> see you guys for coffee. No, 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 I'm kidding. That's, it's, and that's where the chapter ends. I, I just, I love, I love watching Jesus. If we just follow, just follow what, how Jesus interacts in this, in this scenario. He, he rocks up on the first scene and he sees the blind man sitting there begging. And then they don't actually say where he goes, but Jesus is quiet. He, he doesn't come in scene two in the mess to intervene or to defend or to anything like that. And, he, and as the blind man, it was a big deal. The blind man would have been excommunicated from his community. It was, a, it was a huge deal in those days. As he's kicked out of that city, it says Jesus went and found him. How, how beautiful is that? That Jesus actually goes and seeks out the man in darkness and heals him and gives him the light, which is himself. And maybe that's something for us this morning that we need to hold on to, that, that Jesus sees you where you are, sees you in that circumstance, in that situation. As you are, he sees you and he knows where you are and what you're going through. It's so interesting, as I prepared for the sermon this morning, one of the foundational scriptures, and it'll be on the screen behind you, is, is the, the vision for 2023 of, of our church from Isaiah 43. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, see, see. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? It's just so beautiful. As Isaiah writes, forget the things of the past. See through the light of Christ that I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And you can almost, you can almost sense the anxiety, or not anxiety, you can just sense the tension of the text to say, don't you perceive it? Don't you perceive it? And, I, they, and it's real. I think there's a, there's a real urgency around it to say we can, we can choose to disqualify the light for whatever reason we would want to decide. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm too good for this. That person hasn't followed the rules. They're, they're undeserving. Whatever, you can, you fill in the blanks. And the reality is that you will remain in your darkness. Or, like the blind man, physically blind, sees Jesus and worships, worships the king. This whole story, the different scenes, comes to this, comes to this point, this beautiful dialogue between Jesus and the blind man, where Jesus says to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Son of Man? And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus says, it is me. And the blind man says, well, I, I believe. And he worships. He worships. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know how that, that would have played out. But just worshiping him, I could imagine just him falling at his feet and saying, King Jesus, you are my king. I worship you 
the Son of Man. And I just want to, as we land and the worship team to come up, there's a, there's a challenge for us this morning because I don't, I don't want to discredit or discount the things that we are going through in this room because I think there are some things that you've maybe had to work your way through for many, many years and you've been trusting and hoping for and, and know and still believe that there is, there is faith that this morning. But I would, I would say that even if the blind man wasn't physically healed in this parable, and, and he was, but if, even if he wasn't, the opportunity to see the light was still there for him. As Jesus revealed himself, that he said, Jesus, that the true enlightenment, the true seeing the light of Jesus is not in scene one. It's actually on the outskirts of the city when, when the, the, the noise had, been, had settled down, when the dust had settled, and he was on his own, and Jesus met with him, and, he, and Jesus revealed himself to him, and he said, I believe. And in that moment, Jesus says, he is the light of life. It is through Jesus, through the light that Jesus gives us, that all of life becomes illuminated. It's so beautiful that it's not even necessarily about one situation this morning, or one incident, or one memory, or one whatever it is. It's as we surrender our lives to Jesus, as we worship Him, He illuminates our whole life. And those darkness, those dark situations, those, the physical healing, the, whatever you trust in God for, we trust for healing this morning. But even if we still need to carry those things, as Jesus' light shines on you this morning, those situations can bring God glory. The very thing, the very thing that's hurting, the very thing that sucks right now, I hate this, I want to be anywhere but here, that very thing can be for God's glory. I wonder if we can stand, because I think in this moment, the response should be of the blind man. That Jesus, as Jesus revealed himself to the blind man, as he reveals himself to us now, our response, I think what it needs to be is worship. To say, Jesus, you are our king. Jesus, you are above it all. And we worship you, Jesus. Thank you that the light of who you are, the light that you bring, the light of the world comes and ministers to us this morning. What an amazing, amazing word. If you would like to find out about what's happening in the life of the church, why don't you follow us on our social media, Instagram or Facebook, or you can go into our website, lifechanges.org.za. Thank you so much for watching that video. Be blessed.